Have you heard this one? Jeopardy, Healthcare Education, and Comedy Central walk into a bar. What's the punchline, and why do you need to know about it? We'll find out on this episode of Shift Shapers. Change either paralyzes or energizes. The choice is yours. You're listening to the Shift Shapers podcast. You're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs who have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries. Get ready to become the change that you want to see. Here's your host and chief transformation strategist, David Saltzman. This episode of the Shift Shapers podcast is brought to you by Captivated Health, a captive insurance arrangement designed specifically for educational institutions. If you have clients in that vertical, you know the healthcare deck has been stacked against them. Today, Captivated Health offers the stability, control, and savings they've been waiting for. For more information, go to www.captivatedhealth.com or click on the company logo on the Shift Shapers website. On this episode of Shift Shapers, we're privileged to be speaking with Al Lewis. Al is CEO of Quizify, but he's much more than that. I think we'll have a very interesting conversation I would describe him as quite the Renaissance man, a serial entrepreneur, author, and much, much more. So with that, welcome, Al. Well, thank you for having me, Dave. A pleasure. You've had a very interesting journey to get from where you started, certainly academically, to where you are today. I think it'd be fascinating. Talk a little bit about that, if you will, please. Well, I did go to Harvard Law School and and had been intent on having a career as an attorney, but there was one uh, firm that interviewed at Harvard Law School that was not a law firm. It was a uh, consulting firm. And I listened hard to what they had to say. And the guy was so charismatic and so smart. And maybe you've heard of him, a guy by the name of Mitt Romney, that um, I ended up at Bain & Company for years and then segued into the healthcare business full time after that. Actually, at one point, I was the uh, youngest guy to run a NASDAQ company. Now, it was a fairly pathetic NASDAQ company, but it was a NASDAQ company nonetheless. How pathetic, you ask? Well, when I would come to work in the morning and there would be a letter from NASDAQ on my desk, I was always assuming that they were writing to tell me we were being delisted. Nonetheless, it, it worked out pretty well. It, uh, we, we ended up in a merger, and I uh, ended up out of a job as the merger. So I stumbled into disease management. Now, somehow, if you go online and you Google on invented disease management, you get me. I recall more stumbling into it, but far be it for me to ever argue with Google. One man stumbling is another man's invented. And I'll take it any day. So I was the first person, disease management had actually already existed, but I was the first person to apply uh, some arithmetic to it uh, and figure out what the savings were, et cetera. And it turned out there were a lot of savings. I was the first one to do it, and other, other people joined me down the road to uh, put purchasers and uh, sellers of these programs together and grow the industry that way. Now, the only problem was that it actually turned out that the numbers, uh, and now I'm fast-forwarding quite a bit, uh, didn't actually add up. Now, how did I figure that out? I, I was not only drinking the Kool-Aid, I was mixing up the Kool-Aid for other people and giving it to or actually selling it to other people. And then somebody challenged my numbers and they said, you have your savings wrong. And they didn't say I was saying there was too much savings in wellness and disease management. They said I was not showing enough savings. 
So I got out some simple models, made some simple models. I actually used to teach uh, economics at, at Harvard. That I actually did do, unlike inventing disease management. I did it about 30 years ago, and I've been dining out on it ever since. And so I, I would always teach the kids how to build these models and work in assumptions and, and work out and make sure your numbers added up. Well, it turned out that the guy who challenged me was way off, but it turned out I was off as well. And that accidentally, I had been selling my uh, employer and health plan clients a bill of goods when I told them that this health improvement stuff could save a lot of money. So, you know, I had two choices. I, I could make a lot of money by continuing to broker these programs, knowing what, frankly, every vendor and every consultant uh, now also knows, which is none of the numbers add up. Or I could make much, much less money by establishing something I call the integrity segment of the market, where we basically tell it like it is. And that's what I've been doing. And then the, the way the Quizify thing happened was as I would essentially make the impregnable mathematical argument that this stuff didn't save money, people would sometimes say, okay, I get it. You're right. What should we do instead? And I never had an instead. And I thought, you know, if I could have an instead, uh, I could actually figure out a way to monetize this integrity segment of the market that I have uh, come up with. And that's where Quizify came from. It's especially timely to discuss this because there have been a couple of studies, I'm sure you've seen them recently. I think one was Kaiser Family, and I don't recall the source of the other one, that talked about this continuing problem that consumers can't tell a copay from coinsurance. And so there, there's this shocking amount of consumer healthcare illiteracy out there while people are arguably becoming nascent consumers. Talk a little bit about how Quizify works and, and can it solve that problem? Can it, can it close that gap for consumers? Well, I, being in the integrity segment, I don't want to oversell it. It will help to close the gap. And the way we do it is we've taken health literacy and we've turned it into a big trivia contest. We call it Jeopardy meets Health Benefit Education meets Comedy Central. Now, to your point, the coinsurance versus the copay, incredibly, we, we do have questions on that. Those are intermediate level questions because the difference between a coinsurance and a copay is quite subtle. Our more novice level questions are things like, you know, what's an annual deductible? You know, and, and yet we are amazed at how many people will miss the novice questions. How does it get deployed? What, first of all, let's, let's take a step back. What's your go-to-market strategy with Quizify? Do you work with benefit advisors or directly with employers or a mix of the two? Uh, yes and yes. Our market strategy is basically uh, we wait for the phone to ring, and it rings. And it, whether it's a benefit advisor, either a consultant or a broker, or the company itself, or a health plan that wants to resell – and then the implement, I mean, it's a, you can go to the site and play the game. It's a fairly easy implementation. You will learn something as you play the game. We cover not only the uh, health benefit issues like copay versus coinsurance, but also just plain old health care. And the example right on the website is an amazing one that I didn't know that a CAT scan, that there's a question I'm going to give the answer away. A CAT scan has about 500 times as much radiation in it as an X-ray. So next time you or someone you know wants a CAT scan, particularly for their kid, have them step back a second and say, what are we going to learn? Ask the doctor, what are we going to learn from this that we don't already know? How is this going to change my therapy, my prognosis going forward, et cetera? That's the kind of thing we teach. And like I say, we do it in a, in a kind of a quiz format. 
So there are many benefit advisors, a, a lot of folks among our listeners, who spend an awful lot of time helping the employees of the employers they service start to learn to become better consumers. What's the conversation like when an advisor wants to bring this into an employer? And then what are the steps for getting it implemented? Well, to bring it into an employer, we generally just recommend playing the game and saying, did you learn something from this game that will make you a smarter consumer and over time cause you to spend less money on things that aren't going to do you any any good and might even harm you while spending perhaps more money on things that, that might be helpful? And we have, there's a basic game right on the site, and then we send them a little link if they want to play more of the employee-facing game. And then the implementation is actually fairly easy. Most people at this point have, the employees have some way that they can either earn points or get credit for wellness programs, and their scores from the quizzes just add to their points or whatever credit they have. And the actual merging of the Quizify with whatever system they have yeah, you know, I mean, they're usually a little bump, a couple bumps in the road, but it's much easier than a typical wellness program. So that's how you drive engagement is by having some kind of a, a wellness credit or some kind of a prize of some kind. Uh, yes, and we typically, you know, as I'm sure you have noticed, and I'm sure all of your listeners have noticed, no matter how easy, how much fun, how little privacy invasion in our case, none. There is, in a wellness program, newsflash, most employees aren't going to do it unless there's some kind of money on the line, whether it's having access to a better health insurance program or just plain old getting incentives or not being penalized. So we recommend that the first question in the quiz is a $25 question to get people to actually start playing the game. And then once they get into the game, you know, you get a dollar for a right, uh, typically like a dollar for a correct question minus 25 cents for any wrong answers. But I'm not going to lie. We don't get 100% participation or anything like that. We actually do have a guarantee that we'll get 10 more points of participation than any other wellness program they're using. But that could be a low number. If you're getting 10% participation now, we'll get you 20. And now a word from our sponsor. Captivated Health is a single-source solution for your clients and prospects who are in the education vertical. The founders of Captivated Health have nearly 20 years' experience working with educational institutions, and over that time, they've developed a keen understanding of the unique problems these clients experience. Frustrated by a lack of control, the unpredictability of ever-increasing health care costs, and the pressures and regulations of the Affordable Care Act, these groups have been adrift in the fully insured commercial marketplace until now. Captivated Health has built a program that solves those problems, and it does so with virtually no disruption to faculty and staff while saving clients millions of dollars. We wanted you to be among the first to know that Captivated Health is building a national distribution partner network so you can bring this cutting-edge solution to the educational clients you advise. To learn more about the Captivated Health solution, go to their website at www.captivatedhealth.com or click on their logo on the Shift Shapers website. And now, back to our interview. Do you have any idea around what a general participation level, I know varies employer to employer, but if I'm a benefit advisor and I take this out to a client and they say, well, how many people do you think are actually going to do this? 
What's the number you give? I say, how many people do your current wellness program? They give a number or percentage of your employees do it. And I said, you can add 10% to that and we guarantee that. And if you don't get that uh, participation, you can keep going for free at the end of the contract until you have as many employee years as we're promising you you're going to get. We have not had to make good on that guarantee yet. On the other hand, it's a fairly new company. Do you offer customization? I know an awful lot of advisors are starting to dig into claims data and identify particular problem areas for employee populations. Is it customizable if an advisor comes to you and says, look, these are the places where I know that our population is struggling? Yes, absolutely. Is it something that you guys do or is it something that's user customizable? How how does that work? Well, it's kind of right in the middle. Um, There's two types of customization. The easy type is we have questions where just plain old every customer is going to have a different answer. Like we want people to use more urgent care and less ER. And a lot of a lot of employees don't know that the urgent care copay is going to be much lower than the ER copay. So we have the question and you folks would ju- or the benefit advisor would just, you know, punch in the answers and that creates the question. So that's one level of customization. For instance, we've had a couple of requests to say, you know, we want more people using our EAP. We had literally no people using it last year. Can you write us a few EAP questions? And I say, sure. And then we send them a little form and we say, just put in the question and put in the answer and we will write all the funny, enjoyable, wrong answers to turn it into a question. You just need to tell us what you want the question about and what the right answer is. So the funny wrong answers are the Comedy Central part of the program. Yes, yes. And, and you'll see that if you look at uh, maybe a couple questions in on the Quizify website. The thing about a, a printed laugh line is you can't actually say a printed laugh line any more than if you read a Seinfeld script, it sounds funny. Humor either has to be written or presented like uh, by a comedian or something. You, you can't mix the two. So I'll just say go to the website and look two or three questions in and you'll see what I mean. So let's go from Comedy Central to something that a lot of people think is closely related to Comedy Central, which is economics. Talk a little bit about your two books, because the books in and of themselves are fascinating, and, and what they, the subject matter that they cover is really instructive, I think. Well, the, uh, actually, there are, there are three books. The one that appears to have the legs is Why Nobody Believes the Numbers, and it's a little bit more mathematical than the others, but it, it's still fun. It's still a fun read. And it essentially goes through how you actually measure outcomes in in, uh, wellness and disease management and population health. And it has some examples of how vendors have measured outcomes, you know, very badly. And it's always extremely funny when they do it. it you know, I always say if laughter is the best medicine, then, then you know, wellness is, will, will cure everything that ails you. These people can't do math, and we show it in a humorous way and why nobody believes the numbers. Uh, cracking health costs covers things like uh, PBMs and uh, centers of excellence, as well as wellness and disease management and things. And then the if you really want more of a kind of a, an expose of the wellness industry, there's surviving workplace wellness, where, you know, we're, uh, as we say, we uh, identify appellations, appellations and kick posteriors in this book. We go example by example and show how the vendors um, made up the numbers deliberately the numbers can't possibly add up. They conflict with each other and often tell the opposite story than what the vendor wants to tell. 
Interesting. You're in, in a very different way. You're probably the fourth podcast guest who's made that same observation, each one of you about different segments of the industry. So it appears that there's an awful lot of made up stuff still floating around. Uh, out well, there. let me, let me be perfectly, I, I have, you can, you don't even, I'd love it if somebody bought my books. You don't have to buy the books. You can go to they said what.net and it's an expose of about three quarters of the vendors, major vendors in wellness, you simply type in the name of a vendor and it will show you how they measure savings and how they've made it up. And we always say to these folks, go ahead and sue us. And they never do. There's not a thing they can do. It's their own numbers. And for instance, the, uh, the Health Industry Research Organization, they put out this guidebook that was supposed to show how much money wellness saved, but in fact, it accidentally showed how much money wellness lost. So he wrote a whole series about that. Well, they couldn't complain because we were just quoting their numbers. So what they did was they wrote a letter and they sent it to I don't know how many people and said, don't share this letter with Al Lewis, but he's outrageous, he's inaccurate. They didn't give any examples, but they said, if you used the numbers that our people really want instead of the numbers that we put in our guidebook, you'll get a different answer. So I obliged, and a few days ago, you can see it, I apologized to Hero. I put in the numbers that they wanted in, and instead of losing a little money, it turns out wellness loses a lot of money using Hero's own numbers. Mm -hmm. So, hey, Hero, if you're out there, go ahead and sue me. Make my day. I'll be blogging the whole thing. I will flatten you people. Fascinating, fascinating. And it's something that a lot of us have surmised for a long time. It, it's been difficult, and I, I don't know if anybody's conquered it yet, to show demonstrable, repeatable ROI in what is broadly called a wellness program. But now they're starting to talk about well-being. Is that a distinction without a difference, or is there something significantly different between the two? The way I distinguish well-being is I call well-being wellness done for employees, whereas I call wellness wellness done to employees so-called pry, poke, and prod programs. In well-being programs, you can certainly improve the well-being of your employees by creating workplaces which are better to work in, by uh, subsidizing gym memberships, helping people eat better, etc. But without being coercive about it, you know, as we prying and poking and prodding people, you know, weighing them in, telling them that their BMI is too high, Turns out the BMI is the wrong measure anyway. Somebody just proved that. So there's a difference. And, and I say the way you distinguish it is how many employees are in your pro- would be in your program if you didn't incentivize for it? Would all the participants go away like they did at the University of California, where literally they took away the program and they took away about $20 million in potential incentives and nobody complained? Out of 200,000 employees, they got not one complaint. So they were doing wellness to you. If you do wellness for people, they should want to participate in your programs. And that's well-being. In the minute or so that we have left, maybe a couple of minutes, we always like to ask our guests at the end of the podcast what they see the future in their particular field, both near-term and long-term looking like, and what kinds of changes you might see. And so I'll, I'll start with a pointed question, which is, do you expect the literacy rate of consumers around healthcare to improve anytime soon? Well, if Quizify has anything to say about it, yes. It happens that this is a very complex subject, and I I myself, as I research some of these questions, am shocked at what I don't know 
And what doctors try to pitch me on as a parent or as an individual that we simply shouldn't be getting. So yes, the literacy rate is now 12% according to the Journal of the American Medical Association. I think it could go to 25%, but that's still 75% illiteracy. So an awful lot of work yet to be done. Yes. Al Lewis, CEO of Quizify. Al, thank you for a very engaging and very interesting conversation. We appreciate you sharing your expertise with the audience. And I really appreciate you having me on. Thanks so much, David. The Shift Shapers podcast is a production of the Saltzman Group. We work with entrepreneurs, executives, and companies just like you to help shape the shifts in your business. To schedule a 20-minute call to learn more, visit our website at thesaltzmangroup.com or call me directly at 803-386-8005. I'd love to hear from you. And while you're on our site, you can also click the podcast tab for the entire catalog of Shift Shapers episodes and to access some really great special offers. Give me a call at 803-386-8005 and learn how to put the secrets of the Ship Shapers to work in your business.